Amen. A lot of songs this morning about the blood. I'm thankful for the blood. Amen. That's enough to run the devil out of here. He don't like you talking about the blood. Amen. Take your Bibles. We're in the book of Romans this morning. It's preaching time. I love good singing. I love gathering around the piano, singing with my family. There's one thing I like more than singing, and that's preaching. Romans chapter 13, when you find your place, I'm asking you to stand, please, out of respect for the Word of God. Romans chapter 13, we're going to begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, but in strife, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Verse 11 and 12 really is going to be where my heart is, but we're going to look at the other verses in just a moment. But it says, knowing that time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. I want to preach for just a little bit on this thought this morning, the urgency of the hour. The urgency of the hour. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now as we open the scriptures that you would open our hearts, open our minds and our understanding. Give us liberty, power, and anointing to stand and proclaim the word of God. May we have liberty to preach. May God's people have liberty to listen. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The Bible is filled, and I mean absolutely loaded with references, multiple references about a person's understanding of the urgency of the hour. In fact, over in Hebrews chapter number 12, he compares the life of a Christian to running a race. And uh, there's a lot in the Bible about the urgency and the importance of uh, the, the, the lateness of the hour. And I believe we can all agree, time's running out. We are running out of time. I believe the devil knows it. That's why he's working overtime. He's working overtime. We are in the last days. Not only are we in the last days, but I believe we're in the last few minutes of the last days. I mean, it's not going to be much longer till Jesus comes back. When you read the news, you read the headlines, you see what's going on in this country. You see what's going on around the world. You and I have to draw the conclusion that Jesus is, I believe he is as they, when they, when, when they play the instruments over here and they lick their lips and they're getting ready to play that saxophone, I believe Jesus is standing there holding that trumpet. I believe he's licking his lips. I believe he's getting ready to sound that trumpet. I'm looking for the Lord to come back. Amen. I mean, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We are in the last days and there should be, a should be an overwhelming sense of urgency in the heart and mind of every single believer. Taking a break's one thing. Living in a perpetual state of wasting time is not only unscriptural, but at this point in history, it is unimaginable. I thought of this, waiting on God, according to the Bible, waiting on God is patience. But God having to wait on us is just pathetic. Let that sink in for just a second. A sign of spirituality in the Bible is patience, but procrastination is a sign of carnality. I wonder this morning, does our level of procrastination test God's level of long-suffering? 
Paul wrote a statement twice, not once, twice. He wrote it to the church at Ephesus. He wrote it to the church at Colossae. Here's what he said in Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We're there. Is everybody still with me? If I have to say everything twice and say amen, we're going to be here till supper. He said in Colossians chapter number four, verse number five, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. There's, no, there's, not, there's not time to be wasted in the Christian life. We need to be busy. And as I was reading the gospels, preparing for this message, I see something about Lord Jesus Christ that every single one of us ought to aspire to emulate and imitate. And he was acutely aware. Jesus was very much aware of the limited time frame that he had to work in. Many times he would say, my hour's not yet come. My hour's not yet come. My hour's not yet come. Jesus lived with a perpetual awareness of the time frame, the limited time frame that he had to work in. If Jesus is our example, and he is, and if he is our pattern, and he should be, then we need to look at some things in the life of Jesus this morning and make a determination to imitate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brother, uh, uh, Brother Berner said in Sunday school, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. In Mark chapter number one, turn over there right quick. Just keep your place in Romans. We're going to come back there in just a second. But I want you to go with me back to Mark chapter number one. Because as I was working on this message, I was reminded of some insight that we have in the scripture into the work ethic of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, he was a worker. Jesus was a worker. In Mark chapter number one, notice what it says in verse number 32. I want you to see this. Mark 1, 32, and at even, or at evening, we would say, when the sun did set, so notice the time of day, the sun did set. That's the time of day when most people get a shower, put on their pajamas, and they go to bed. Look at what it says. In the evening when the sun was set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. My question is, how long do you reckon that took? This is in the evening when the sun did set. He has already been ministering. If you read the earlier part of the chapter, he's already been traveling and he's already been working and ministering and serving. And now in the evening when most people are letting their engine die in the evening when people are kicked back in their recliner and they're just relaxing, uh, the Bible says that he began to heal many and he began to touch many and began to change lives. And I wonder how long that took. Look at the next verse. And in the morning... Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So if we're just reading just this one passage of scripture, we get clues and insight into the urgency that was always on the mind and the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was working and he was ministering and he was being a blessing and he would do it late into the night and he would get up early the next morning, the Bible says a great while before day and go out and begin to pray. Do you see the sense of urgency that was in the heart and the mind of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? My question is, here we are, we say we're in the last days and there ain't one of us in here that would disagree with that statement. We believe we're in the last days and I know they've been saying that since I was a little boy, okay? But but they was right back then, but we're even more right now. We're in the last days. If I ain't careful, I'll get distracted just trying to prove that we're in the last days. But the laws they're passing and the stuff they're teaching kindergartners and, and elementary students in these public schools, I don't know how it can get any more perverted. I don't know how it can get any worse. Now, it will. The devil will think up something. I don't know how it can get any worse, any more perverted, any more diabolical than it is right now in this country. 
And we got people today that call themselves Christians. They're more interested in Johnny Depp's trial than they are the ministry and the work of God. They don't have enough sense to realize that the media and the powers that be are just blindly leading people along and distracting them with nonsense, complete and utter nonsense. Take their eyes and minds off of the things that are happening that are far more important. That woman, Maxine, whatever her name is, Johnny, uh, uh, the, the, the Epstein guy, it's just the, 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 that, that pedophile, that whole trial was in secret. And then they put every minute of Johnny Depp's trial on television. That ought to tell you a whole lot right there about where we're at in this country. I don't even know what they're having a trial for. I could care less. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I would rather somebody hit me in the face with a shovel than watch 30 seconds of that stupid trial. I don't care. But we got people today that are just all intrigued and all stirred up and get excited and motivated about sheer nonsense and they're oblivious to the urgency of the hour. Jesus lived with a perpetual state of urgency. He was an example of urgency. We'll look at a little bit more of that later on in the message. But what I want to do is I want to get back to Romans chapter number 13. And I want to take just a minute if I can expound this passage. I've got five points. I'm going to give you two of them this morning and the other three tonight. Not because I don't want to preach them all right now, but I just don't know if you can handle it. It's a lot of information. So I'm going to let you take a break, all right? I'm going to let you take a break. Won't you notice the urgency of the hour calls for several things in our text in Romans 13, verse number 11, that knowing the time, that now it is high time. Number one, the urgency of the hour calls for an awareness, an awareness. He, he says in verse number 11, and that knowing the time, let me ask you a question this morning. Can you tell time? Can you read a clock this morning? Can you read a calendar this morning? Can you look around at the world we live in and recognize what time it is? Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their inability, their ignorance when it came to the matter of discerning the times. He said in Matthew 16, Jesus said this, Matthew 16, verse two and three, he answered said unto them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the face of the times? It doesn't take a super spiritual giant. It doesn't take somebody with a Bible college degree to recognize we're living in the last days. This is, I mean, perilous times are here. And deception and wickedness and ungodliness is just, is just the norm. The most perverted, unbelievable lifestyles and mindsets is now being pushed on people and trying to be, uh, uh, trying to be accepted as mainstream. It's not mainstream. Not even close. Mutilating little boys and girls telling K-5 and first graders and second graders that they can be whatever they identify as. That is demonic, that's sheer madness. It's insanity. It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable. I said it's unbelievable. This transgendered movement is straight out of the pits of hell. It was hatched out of hell. Hatched out of hell. You said, preacher, that's a little bit strong. If I could figure out a way to say it stronger, I'd say it stronger. But I don't know how to say it any stronger than to say that the transgender movement is hatched out of the pits of hell. Look at what time it is. What time is it? It's high time. And knowing the time that now it is high time, he said, high time. 
We should be living each day like it's our last. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to say this with my hand up. God's my witness. I know the Bible says you don't know your heart. But if I know my heart this morning, every time I get behind this pulpit, I preach like it's the last time I'm going to get to preach. Because it could be. It could be the last time I get to preach. When you come to church, you ought to come to church like it's the last time you're going to get to come to church. You ought to live every day like it's our last. Because it could be. We see not only that the urgency of the hour calls for an awareness, but secondly, it calls for an awakening. It is high time. It is high time. Look at it. It says, knowing the time, that now it is high time, verse 11, to awake out of sleep. By the way, there's more than one kind of sleep. There's a physical sleep. Jonah, Jonah slept. There's a physical sleep and there's a spiritual sleep, all right? And I thought about this. Let me see if I can get this right. Jonah slept at the wrong time. Samson slept with the wrong people. And, and, and Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, they slept at the wrong time. We got people today, though, that are sleeping at the wrong time with the wrong people in the wrong places. Spiritually. I mean, they got it wrong on all counts. They are oblivious. They're asleep. And, and he's talking here, and he says it's time to wake out of sleep. What about Eutychus? He slept, in the wrong, he slept at the wrong time and in the wrong place. Fortunately, there was an apostle Paul to wake him up. There's an awakening. There's something worse than going to sleep physically at the wrong time. And that's when a Christian goes to sleep spiritually at the wrong time. As a pastor, many times when I'm preaching, I can look out over the audience and I see people that are asleep, not physically. I used to bother me when people slept in church. I'm just glad they're here now. But what's worse than seeing somebody sleeping physically during church? And I don't care if you sleep in church, just don't snore and drool all over everybody. What's worse than seeing somebody sleeping in church physically is seeing somebody sitting at Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland, asleep spiritually. I want to go get one of those cattle prods, one of them electric cattle prods, one electric, and I want to walk up to them and zap them real good. Wake them up. High time to wake out of sleep. High time to wake out of sleep. You look at people's social media page and realize they're, they're in a coma. They're past sleep. They're in a coma. Somebody might ought to check their pulse. Well, a lot more I can say about that. But thirdly, we see there is an abandoning in our text. The urgency of the hour calls for an abandoning. Look at what it says. Now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Need to get rid of some things. Cast off. That's what it means. Cast off. Throw them off. Get rid of them. Cast off the works of darkness. That's what the Bible says. Several times the Apostle Paul used phrases like cast off or put off. In Ephesians 4.22, that she put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. He said in Colossians 3, verse number 8, and now you also put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication. He gave a long list of things that you put off. You need to take these things and put them off. Take them off. Get rid of them. Abandon them. They should not be a part of your life. You just feel impressed. My text talks about filthy communication out of your mouth. Colossians 3.8. Child of God, ain't got, no, got, ain't got no business cussing. Amen. Cussing and swearing. I tell you, I took, took uh, Zane to, uh, we did some work this week, did a little job, and we, we took him to Home Depot, and I'm telling you, I had to apologize to him several times. I said, I'm sorry you heard that. I'm sorry your little ears heard that. 
I got to go over and talk to this guy. I want you to go stand over yonder. I don't want you to hear him when he cusses. Go stand over yonder. I went to somebody's house and said, I want you to stay in the truck. I got to talk to this guy. I don't want you out there. I don't know what he's going to say. Filthy. But they're lost. That's what lost people do is they cuss. They swear. Safe people ain't got no business doing that. Put that off. Cast it off. I just felt impressed to say that. When, when Peter was standing around that fire and they said, we know you're, you're with Jesus. You know what Peter thought of? This was real smart. He says, if I'll cuss and swear a little bit, they'll believe me when I say I don't know Jesus. When you cuss and swear, people think you don't know Jesus either. Come on now. Don't even share posts that's got bad words in it. Don't share posts, like posts that's got profanity and cussing in it. Put that off. Abandon that filthy mouth. Where are we at? Number four, write this down. There's an adorning. You could even say there's an armoring, an arming rather. Look at what it says in verse number 12. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Don't just cast off the works of darkness. Replace it with something good and pure and right. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. How does one put on the armor of light? Look at verse number 14. He said, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. That'll take care of it. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be in good shape. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Like you got up this morning and got dressed. And it didn't say, it didn't say uh, when it talked about that armor of light, it didn't say go in the closet, pick it out and lay it out so that you can have it. It didn't say keep it close by so you can change clothes when the preacher's around. It said go on and put it on. Put it on, why? Because it's high time. The urgency of the hour, cast off the works of darkness. Is everybody still with me? Put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I got to thinking about the urgency of the hour. And I got to begin thinking about the fact that time is running out. And I came up with a list of things, five of them. I'm going to give you two of them this morning. Number one, first of all, write this down. The urgency of the hour calls for unsaved people to put their faith in the Savior. Boy, I wish this morning I could, I wished I had the vocabulary. I wished I had the wherewithal to communicate the way that's in my heart. If you're here this morning and you have never been saved, you are running out of time. You're running out of time. In Acts chapter number 24, Paul is standing there. The Bible says he's witnessing and he's giving his testimony before Felix. I don't have time to read the whole story, but in Acts 24, verse number 24 and 25, the Bible says, after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. He heard, can you believe it? The greatest soul winner, the greatest preacher, the greatest missionary that's ever lived, the apostle Paul. Other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we agree the Apostle Paul, I mean, you can't get no better. We're talking about, about, about a man that was willing even to deal with the thorn in the flesh. That the power of Christ may rest upon him. And he told the church at Corinth, when I came unto you, I didn't come with the excellency of speech. I didn't come to you in, in a demonstration of man's wisdom. But I came in a demonstration of the power. This man had the power and the anointing of God. And he stood in front of Felix and he gave a testimony. And he gave the gospel. And Felix and his wife brought him in for that very reason. To hear him talk about faith in Christ. And guess what his answer was? when Paul got finished preaching. Here's what he said. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. We would say it down south. He got under deep Holy Ghost conviction. That's what we would say. Felix was shaken. 
by the preaching, shaken by the message, shaken by the fact that judgment's coming. And the Bible says he answered and said to Paul, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Oh my goodness, there's nothing that breaks a preacher's heart anymore than to see somebody visibly moved by the message of the gospel, see somebody under conviction, see somebody trembling, seeing somebody with tears run down their face, and instead of getting up and coming forward, or instead of raising their hand and letting somebody take a Bible and show them how to be saved, they get up and walk out in the same unsaved, lost, unregenerated condition that they were when they came in. Why? Because in their mind, they think they're gonna have time later. I'll get saved next week. I'll get saved next month. I'm gonna have to wait till it's a more convenient time. Here's the problem. You don't know if you'll ever have another opportunity. You don't know, you don't know. In Acts chapter number 27, just a few chapters later, Paul is now witnessing the king Agrippa, a very similar situation. And in verse number 27 of Acts 27, he said, King Agrippa, believest thou in the prophets? He's done been preaching, he's been witnessing, he's been giving his testimony. He's standing in front of this king, he's got shackles, he's got chains, he's got on prison clothes. Here's what he says, O King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. I can tell by looking at you, the message has gotten to you. I can tell it's working on you. I can tell you are convinced that what I'm preaching and what I'm saying is the truth. I can tell by looking at you. I know you believe. You know what Agrippa said? Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. You know what Paul said in verse 29? I would to God that not only thou... But also all that hear me this day, all these people standing around in this room, all the soldiers and all the witnesses and all the people that are in the sound of my voice right now, I would to God that not only you, but all of them were like unto I am this day, except for these bonds. I wish you were like me, except for these chains. I wish you had what I had. I wish you could experience what God has done in my life. There was a sense of urgency in the heart and the mind of the Apostle Paul as it should be in ours. So many people die and go to hell thinking they have time. I tremble to think how many people have left a church service. They've left a a camp meeting. They've left a revival service. They've turned the message off of the radio and pushed God away and rejected Christ thinking they've got time and they never made it home alive, got killed in a car wreck before they ever got home. I'll never forget one time we were at church in South Georgia. A man got up, got mad. Daddy was preaching. My dad was preaching. man got up, got mad, stormed out the door. Right in the middle of the message. Made a scene. Got in his car, peeled rubber out of the parking lot, went right down the road, and ran up under an 18-wheeler. I mean, their cops are coming in and getting family out of the service before we're done with the church service. You don't know. You just don't know. You just don't know. Proverbs 27, 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Preacher, you're just trying to scare people into getting saved. If I thought I could, if I thought I could scare you into getting saved, I'd be up under your bed in the morning with a hockey mask on. If I thought that's what it would take, serious. Hell's real. Hell's hot. Death is sure. Death is final. 
There's the urgency of the hour when it comes to putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can't keep pushing him away and you can't keep rejecting him at some point. You're going to run out of time. You just don't know when it is. James said, James said, boast not thyself of tomorrow. He said this, life is a vapor. A vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Here today, gone tomorrow. Hell's full of people that meant to get saved. Hell's going to be full of people that planned on getting saved. Just waited for that convenient season. The devil's going to make sure that there's never a convenient time for you to get saved. Well, I got this party coming up. I got this outing coming up. I, I know if I get saved, I can't do that. I'll wait till after that. And the devil will put something else. Somebody, is everybody still with me? In Luke chapter number 12, Jesus told a parable, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? I wonder how many people, lost people, unsaved people, have had a conversation with their soul and told their soul they got plenty of time. And God said, I beg to differ. The word of God's clear. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 2. Now is the accepted time. Now, now is the day of salvation. Do you see the sense of urgency when it comes to putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I beg you, don't leave. Don't leave until you get that settled. We've sat and talked to people until 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday that would not leave this building until they got that settled one way or the other. Number two, the urgency of the hour calls for fervency in service. Fervency in service. Years ago, I had a business, my, my business verse, my business verse, theme verse, motto verse. Inside of my truck, Romans 12, 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Well, I like that verse. Not slothful in business. I can't handle laziness. God can't either. You can look at some people and tell they're lazy. They want to pick their feet up when they walk. They drag their feet when they walk. It's like, pick your feet up. Pick your feet up. You're going to have a hard time getting a job when you turn in an application walking like that. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Well, preacher, that's just not my personality. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. This is is an amazing passage of Scripture, all right? Turn me over to the book of Genesis. Genesis, chapter number 18. I want to show you something. I've read this passage of Scripture about 15 times. And every time I read it, I get under conviction. (laughs) Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. I'm illustrating Bible with Bible. Come on now. Tell I put out a podcast yesterday about preach the word. 
The Bible. Illustrate Bible with Bible. What does it mean to be fervent? What does it mean to be fervent in service? We're talking about the urgency of the hour. We're talking about time is running out. We're talking about being in the last few minutes of the last days. What does that look like? Genesis 18, verse one, the Lord appeared unto Abraham. That's who the hymn is, in the plain of Mamre. And he said in the tent door, in the heat of the day. By the way, according to chapter 17, verse number one, he's 99 years old right here. Uh, that's a very important part of the story. Just out of curiosity, anybody in here 99? Anybody 99? If you are, I'll buy you lunch. Anybody 99? Five hands just went up. Five hands just went up. Liar! 99 years old. Sitting in the door of his tent, the Bible says, in the heat of the day. Are y'all getting this? This is important details. Very important. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, there three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent. Here's three people that need to be ministered to. Here's three people that might need to be served. Here's three people that might need something I have. Here's three people I can invest in. Here's three people whose lives I can touch. Here's three people that I can do something to minister to them. And the Bible says he got up, 99 years old, in the door of his tent in the heat of the day and took off running when he saw him. I like this guy. I'd hire him. He ran to meet them from the tent and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Please don't leave. Please hang around long enough for me to serve you. Please hang around long enough for me to be a blessing to you. Please don't go nowhere. Please, I want you to stay. Can I get you a little water? Can we wash your feet? Can we get you a little sh shade tree here? Please don't leave. I want to be a blessing to somebody today. I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham, my King James Bible, I don't know what your Bible says. My King James Bible says, and Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. Good thing she wasn't one of them women libbers or she said, you do it yourself. Yeah. Ain't making you no bread. I'm a liberated woman. <laughs> Bible tells us Abraham's wife, Sarah, called him Lord. Small L, Lord. When he said, I want you to get three, I want you to make three measures of fine meal. That's six and a half bushels. And I want you to knead it. K-N. K-N. Girls, y'all know what that means? That don't mean you take a can of wop biscuits and wop them on the countertop and pull them out of that cardboard and stick them in the oven. You need it. Some of you girls need to learn how to need. Us guys need you to learn how to need. Hey man, there's a guy somewhere that'll ask you to marry him if you know how to need. Can I get a witness? He don't want to live off of Swanson's pot pies and pizza pockets. He needs you to learn how to knead some bread, amen. And I wasn't even going to preach about none of that. 
He didn't just say, I want you to need it. He said, get with that woman, get on it. Do it quick. <laughs> We're gonna need marriage counseling after this, I can tell. Look at verse seven. And Abraham ran, 99 years old, in the heat of the day. Abraham ran under the herd and fetched a calf. <laughs> Hit him up, move him out. He didn't have Rowdy Yates. He didn't have Clint to go rasso one. He went, chased it down himself. Are y'all getting this? We're talking about the urgency of the hour. There's three men sitting under that, under that tree with their plate and their fork and their knife and they're hungry. And he went and ran and fetched a calf tender and good, gave it to a young man and he hasted to dress it. He said, hurry. Everybody's hurrying. They didn't place their order. My wife and the girls went to Iron Rooster Friday for breakfast, sat there an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. They had done got up and left two other restaurants. Only reason why they stayed there is because they was too weak to move. Hour and a half. Manager says, we're going to give you some free Pop-Tarts because we've been so slow. Pop-Tarts. I want an iron rooster, bless God. Give me an iron rooster. They're sitting on the table. He runs in there. Lady, I need you to make this bread. He goes and chases down this calf. Drags it to the barn, gets one of the young men here, help me. And then they skin the thing. And then he butchers it. And then he cooks it. I want y'all to get this story. Look at that. Took bread and milk and calf which he had dressed and set it before them and then he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the sense of urgency? There's three guys sitting over ready to eat and you, you're going to feed them and you've got to start the bread from scratch and you've got to go catch the calf. I sure hope they had one of them little triangle wood peg games to play on the table while they was waiting to see if you're a Certified ignoramus like they have at Cracker Barrel. Because <laughs> you can imagine how long they sat there. But I can promise you one thing. They didn't sit there one second longer than they had to because he didn't waste no time. There was a sense of urgency. There's people around me that need my help. There's people around me that need something. And I got what they need. And he didn't drag his feet. And he didn't have a lazy, complacent, lackadaisy attitude. He could have given them a bar of silver or a bar of gold and sent them on down the road to buy lunch somewhere else. But no, he ministered and he served and he was hurrying while he was doing it. What am I saying? I'm saying that the urgency of the hour calls for the people of God to have fervency when it comes to service. Quit putting it off. It needs to be done today. Today. Right now. People around you need your help. Right now. They need your love. They need your care. They need what you have and what you can do that God has blessed you with. They need it now. Some of you would just absolutely go into a state of shock if you were to do something for somebody else for a change. 
People's lives is all centered around themselves. My four and no more. From the time they wake up in the morning to the time they go to bed, it's all about getting from me, doing from me, serving me and mine. What about everybody else? What about everybody else? What gear are you in this morning? What gear are you in? I get, I, I'm, like a long, I'm like an old lawnmower. I got two gears, off and high. That's it. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. There's too much to do to waste time. There's too much to be done to waste time. I watch people wasting time. And I'm like, man, I, I, maybe I could need a blood transfusion or something. I need some of that. I don't even know how you function moving that slow. It takes them half a day to watch 60 minutes. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> what gets you moving? I'm, we're, we're looking at a 99-year-old man in the heat of the day. Let me ask you a question. What gets you up? What gets you moving? What gets you stirred? What gets you in a hurry? What gets you motivated? A sale at the mall? A fishing tournament? A tea time down at the golf course? What gets you going? What gets you stirred up? What makes you stepping up a little bit? Well, Jesus said this in John 4, verse 34, my meat He's, he's witnessing this woman at the way on John 4. And disciples went grocery shopping. You know the story. Refer to it often. They came back. Here's your food. Got your food. I don't have time to eat. I've got meat to eat that you know not of. And my, my work, he said, my work. This is in, I'm in John 4, 34. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I don't have time to stop and eat. Now, am I saying you shouldn't eat? Of course I'm not saying that. I'm a firm believer in eating. Firm believer in eating. So much so that I've put on some weight, but I figured out how to look like you lose weight. You buy suits about three sizes too big, and you tighten the belt, and it's all wadded up, and people say, oh, you've lost weight. And you go, thank you. <laughs> it's just Mike Puccini's hand-me-downs, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in eating. I'm not saying don't eat. I'm saying Jesus was so consumed with what he was doing that eating was the last thing on his mind. And then right after he said that, come on now, we're talking about context. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Next verse. Say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already in the harvest. The urgency of the hour when it comes to ministry and service is now. In fact, we're out of time. It's past time. It's overdue. We don't have time to say, oh, it's four more months. Four more months. No, the fields are white already in the harvest. They need to be harvested now. People need help now. I'm asking God to light a fire. And every single one of us this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, the urgency of the hour calls for the people of God to know what time it is. It's high time. It's high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. There may be somebody here this morning, you've never been saved. You've never been born again. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you be, might be like Festus. You might be like Felix, I rather. You might be like Agrippa. 
coming up with all these excuses and all these reasons why you can't do it right now. You don't know, you don't know how much time you have. This could be your last chance. I beg you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, would there be somebody in the service this morning that would just slip your hand up right where you're at? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that I've ever put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Is there anybody in the building? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Please pray for me. There's a phone number on the screen. If you're watching on the live stream, there's a phone number. If you'll text that number, somebody will call you in just a minute and try to help you over the phone. But if there's somebody here this morning, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. Anybody anywhere? Please don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Maybe you're here this morning and say, preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. There's no question in my mind. I'm saved. But I needed this message to remind me of the urgency of the hour this morning. Would you lift your hand? Would you lift your hand? The area of service, having a burden and having a desire to help others. Hands are going up all over the building. Would you join these in the altar while she plays? There's folks all over the altar, but there's room down here for a few more. Would you join us? Maybe get in the altar and say, God, give me a little bit of that. Give me a little bit of that zeal and fire that that 99-year-old Abraham had. Give me a little bit of that desire to be a blessing, that burden to be a help and a blessing to people. Give me some of that, Lord. I need some of that in my life. Not be guilty of being self-centered.